This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We hope you'll subscribe and give us a good rating to help others find Out of Water. Welcome to the Out of Water Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lautenschlager, and uh, I'm here in the studio today with our pastor of spiritual formation, Reverend Sam Kastensmith, and we're continuing in our study from the book of Ephesians, which is part of the message series going on right now at Rio Vista Church called One Body, One Mission. If you've missed any of them so far, we've, we've released our introduction to the book of Ephesians, as well as our commentary on the first, uh, f- I guess, 14 verses of chapter one, uh, although we did, we did leave out verses one and two. If you can't figure out Paul's signature block, get back to me on that. Um, but, but we're going to pick up today in uh, verse 15 of chapter one and, and, and go through the, um, you know, through the end of the chapter. Uh, Sam, we talked about the fact that the first you know, verses three to 14 was exactly was one run on sentence. Paul's extremely excited to explain all these things that God has done for us. He's got this whole big idea and there, and then he begins here in verse 15 with the phrase for this reason, which is looking back. What is he looking back at? Yeah. For what reason? So, what yeah. You- so we were starting this passage with him coming out and saying for this reason. And like you said, you got to ask the question, what, what reason? Yeah. What's the reason? And so this, the, the previous episode, last week's episode, that we discussed, verses 3 through 14, is talking about what God's plan is. From before the foundations of the world, this is what God has in store for the story of redemption. It was his good pleasure. You made that point. The That's good right. Pleasure of his so will. This it's is what the he good loved. pleasure of his will. It is the mystery of his will, and it's the purpose of his will, or the counsel of his will. And now Paul is saying, okay, now that we understand what God's eternal purpose is, which is to adopt you as sons, to make you holy and blameless, to give you an inheritance and the forgiveness of sins, all of this story he's excited about, he's rolling out his will, and now Paul says, okay, now that you understand what God's purpose for is in creation, Mm -hmm. so if the first 14 verses are about the eternal plan and will of God, the subsequent verses from 15 through 23 are about how the Spirit empowers the church to carry out that plan. Verse 15, he says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you. In other words, what he's saying is, I see how you're starting to carry out this mission, and I can't express how grateful I am. He's excited. He's hearing about their faith, the way that they're loving other people, the way that their faith is showing itself in love, just as Jesus taught, you'll know my people by their fruit and by their love. And so they're showing this, and he says, I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And I'm going to stop there, but I'm going to make a note. This is all one sentence again. (laughs) Paul, again, does not like periods. He does not. He's allergic to periods. He hates these cans. Sorry. <laughs> now we know from we know from Acts chapter nineteen, which talks about Paul's time in Ephesus, that he spent a couple of years in Ephesus. Correct. But this may have been written as you know four or five years later mm-hmm. after his time there with them. So there's been a passage of time here. So when he says, "Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints," he has had an opportunity to see the result. Yeah. Of and, his ministering to them, and I can like Paul is like a, his when he's. 
when he leaves Ephesus, he doesn't leave Ephesus on, hey, wonderful, gay, great having you, Paul. <laughs> no. No, he's just had this massive riot that fills up the theater, and they're chant- chanting, great as Artemis of the Ephesians, and he's got to get out of there. Right. And so now years have passed, and he's hearing, oh my goodness, their faith is taking off. They're loving one another. They have this reputation that they're doing well, and he is so very, very grateful that he's praying for them, he's praising God, and then he's asking, he says to the Father, I may you give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. He's not there to teach them directly, and he's expecting the spirit of God, because like the Gospels have not been written yeah, yet, you can't, most you can't, likely. You it's can't not, hand them the Gospel of John and say, start reading here. And even if they had been by this time, which is possible, right. they certainly haven't been circulated That's widely. Right. Yeah, And so... He's saying the Spirit is going to have to show you the knowledge of Him, and why Paul starts there, and it, and I think this is this is spot on for us who are who are listening to this. It is so important that we look to the revelation and look for the Spirit to show us who Jesus is, um, and and what I mean by that is you know you have a lot of people that say well I don't believe in that God. Well, no, there's one God, and He's shown to us in the Scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. And the more you get to know Him, what Paul is saying is. If if I could just, first thing I'm going to ask for you when I pray for you is that you see him, that you have knowledge of him. Why? Because if you understood how absolutely wonderful and all-satisfying and good he is, all of the rest of this is going to take care of itself. It's like, you know, mm. the, the, and, and the scriptures, it says, you know, if you see him, John, the apostle John says this in one of his epistles, he says, when we see him, we will become like him. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like if you see something that's absolutely beautiful, you can't help but want to imitate it. You, you want to become like it. It's like little kids. I, I, when my kids were growing up and we would watch superheroes, they're still growing up, I guess. <laughs> they're still very young. I've got yes, a 2 to 11. Um, but when they watch a superhero movie, they do what all kids do. Yeah. They run around the house mimicking these superheroes. You know, they're shooting spider webs or they're, they're putting capes on. Tell me you didn't do that when you were a kid. Oh, I, man, I did all that the when time. I was a kid. I, oh, you watch Karate Kid? You're doing the crane it, kick. You're, hey. Which was your superhero? Well, first of all, it started with I wanted to be Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. He, I was, was, he was never my superhero. I, was, I wanted to be a Vulcan when I was growing up. What can I tell you? <laughs> did you practice the fingers? I did. It did I can do it. All right. Live nice. long and prosper. He is doing so it. I am doing this. So at any rate, I, try, I tried the neck pinch, which irritated my brothers because I practiced on that. <laughs> but when I finally did get into the whole Superman thing, it was a towel around the neck, yep. and I tied yep. it at the throat, okay? Yep. Tied it at the throat. And much to my mother's chagrin, because I was running outside, and I ran through a hedge with the cape on. Yank. It then got, <laughs> it got snagged in the hedge, and it almost decapitated me. <laughs> and after that, she insisted that I use a clothespin yeah. to hold it. And the that's when you decided, you know what? I'm sticking with Spock. The equivalent of the quick release on a dog's <laughs> oh, yeah, collar. So that's smart. That's smart. That's So, yes, I do. We all imitate our so, superheroes. Yeah, we imitate our heroes. That's natural. Kids do it. When they see something that they think, oh, man, that's awesome. They immediately want to become like him. And what Paul is saying is, if you could see him for how awesome he is, he is so much greater than any superhero. This is the God who has become man, who's overthrown death and sin. He has defeated every evil. If you could see him as he is, you wouldn't be able to help but put on the cape. Yeah. <laughs> you would want to become like him. Well, let's, let's just stop for a second and drill down on that, because what we're talking about is the scriptures that they were going to see him in 
were the Old Testament scriptures. That's right. I know this is one of your favorite things. You love going back through Genesis oh, and these old the and saying, you know, I'm going to show you pictures of Christ in all of this, Christ on every page of the scriptures, sort yep. of thing. And and that's essentially what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that I want the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can see him mm-hmm. in all of these scriptures that you already have. So when people are like, I don't like reading the Old Testament, I like reading about Jesus. I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. So I'll be praying for you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation <laughs> so that when it. you read the Old Testament, you will see. That's how we have to open all the spiritual formation class now. Anytime that's you're right. going to talk about that's Genesis, right. we want everybody to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so they can see Christ in Genesis. It, it, and it really is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's God is ordaining these stories to be a foretaste of Jesus, except in the Old Testament, all of them fall short. You know, you have an Adam who falls short, Noah falls short, Abraham falls short. Jesus comes and walks through very similar stories, except he perfects it. He yeah. he is going to be the perfect completion of all the failures of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just wetting your appetite for the one who's going to come and fulfill it all perfectly. Jesus and, is the hero. Yeah, and so so what Paul is saying is, I want you to see he's the fulfillment. And by the way, for you, for the Jews out there that are thinking you need the sacrificial system and the temple and the priest and the this and the that, I want you to see that he is the perfect sacrifice. He is the great high priest. He is the greater temple. He is the one that satisfies everything that you've been looking for. And like we talked last episode, all the blessings of God are in him, completed in him. And he's like, I want you to know him first and foremost you know we read it and we moved past it i don't want to it doesn't bear a ton of conversation but i found it interesting that when he heard of their faith in the lord jesus the first physical manifestation and evidence of that faith with faith i could talk the first mis- <laughs> maybe not <laughs> maybe not <laughs> i should leave this in because yeah. it's funny the first manifestation of that faith in the lord jesus was that they loved all the saints yeah i thought that was interesting because love is faith with skin on yep. you know yeah. if you're like because jesus said that to his disciples he goes look everybody's going to know you're my disciples because they'll see how you love one another yeah and we talked about unity in the last episode and how the god's ultimate plan is that it would bring all things together that we would all be unified in one body one body one mission we're talking about that and that here he's saying that the first manifestation he heard about it's like you have faith and you love all the saints that's right and now what i want for you is i want your eyes to be opened i want to i want you to have the spirit of revelation so that you can see jesus in all of the scriptures that you already have that's right and so you get the revelation and the knowledge of him and then he goes on verse 18 he says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened why? So that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's what, interesting. Oh, it's because he was in prison when he wrote that, right? Yeah. So here he, he's we, in prison, and we, he's, yeah, yeah. And we failed to mention that. Yeah. I think when we went through the introduction, we, we, we never no. mentioned that. But Paul is writing this from prison, and he's 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 rejoicing that the church is thriving, and he's he is yeah. telling them about hope from a prison cell, you yeah. know, or at least from house arrest, and and so he's telling them about hope, and and here's the deal, hope changes the way that you live it enables you to love freely and to walk through the grind of this earth that in the mundane and in the hard it makes you able to process it and i think i've I've maybe given this analogy before but it's really helpful to me but if you're walking through this life and you think this is all there is you're naturally going to hold everything tight 
you're not going to want to stretch. You're not going to want to give because this might be the only chance you get at having stuff. You know, this life is short. Live it up. Take as, get as much as you can. Right. So Paul is calling you to look at this hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? This talking about this inheritance that's coming to you from God. If you walk around in that hope, it changes the way that you live. And let me, let me explain. If, if I told you, that you had to walk through this mundane life mm-hmm. and or or let's say I gave you a job and your job was to sit in a dark room and to put together widgets for eight hours a day. That basically is my job. <laughs> okay. I, I sit in a dark room and I put together electronic widgets. But now let's say that okay. you, you did that. Okay. And you made what, seven seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. Okay, good. I, I actually make more than that, but that's you, good. You make more than that. Yeah, I do. Barely, maybe. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> But anyway, let's say you make $7.50 an hour. Everything's going to feel like a drag. Anytime you're imposed on, anytime you don't meet a deadline, that it's like, true. man, is this worth it? Yeah. But now let's say that you're putting widgets together eight hours a day and the payoff is a billion dollars a year. Now, all of a sudden, I'd like those widgets. <laughs> you would like, I those, would like widgets. those widgets and, and the things that they require from you don't feel so, oh, I can't handle this anymore. Yeah. And so what Paul is getting at, like, do you understand the hope that is in store for you? The glorious inheritance that the infinite God of the universe has stored up for you that he's excited about sharing with you. If you understood what you're in for, what Christ has purchased from you, which is right on the other side of this life. You would be freed up from this this compulsion that we have, that we've got to hold on to everything tightly, that I need to keep what's mine, because we know what's on the other side. Yeah, it's That's why Paul can look at his life, and what does he say? I count it all rubbish that I can gain Christ, mm-hmm. right? That inheritance, him, and all that he provides— that makes everything in this life that we hold to such high regard and high value. It's like, it's going to pass through my hands. I can't take it with me. It just makes life petty. But when your eyes are fixed on what he has secured for you, it gives you a hope that changes the way you live. And not only what he has secured for you, but as we talked about in the last episode, that the Holy Spirit is that guarantee. Like, like, God isn't going to keep us from our inheritance because he gives us his spirit to live within us. Yeah. And that's not going to be something where it's like he's going to cancel that later. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we, there's a sense in which people may not understand this idea of, well, so what do you mean he's a guarantee? Okay, well, if there's something of great value that I've promised to give you, I'm going to give you this thing of great value, and I give you nothing f- in advance. I don't give you any part of that. I just say, yeah, when, you know, when you come back, I'll give you this billion dollars. You're not very confident of that billion dollars. But if I say to you, Hey, you know what, Sam, I'm going to give you a billion dollars and you'd like that. I know. Okay. And I said, you know, as a down payment, here's a million. And it's, you know, frankly, we're talking about the Holy spirit. It's, it's, I'm going to give you a billion dollars and here's the full billion dollars up front. I don't (laughs) want to, but this idea that he, that, that he presents that as being it's a guarantee meaning that i've invested this in you so you can have confidence that this inheritance will come to you so when we talk about this hope again i want to mention that about the word hope it's not this idea of oh i hope i get an inheritance i hope it's glorious no it's a confidence an an expectancy there because we we hope yes 
as as in we're looking forward to it, but we are sure that yeah. we're going to get it. It comes with the full faith and credit of the God of the <laughs> yes. universe. There you go. You know that. <laughs> there you go. He is not going to default on his promise. This is legal tender in all universes, all dimensions. <laughs> yes, yes, that is correct. Okay, and so that hope enables us to be different. And so, like what what you were saying there. You know, the spirit doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to guarantee your inheritance. Because what Jesus promised, when Jesus came into this world, he did amazing things. He went around and healed people. He preached to thousands of people. But Jesus also made this promise that his church was going to do things even greater than he did. And we hear that and we go, what in the world? How could that be possible? Right. What he means by that is when he was here, God was walking around in the flesh, encountering people all over the place in his region. Right. When he empowers the church, this is what he promises. I'm going to send you the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to empower you. It's going to indwell you. He's going to reside in you, and his power is going to be given to each and every believer who professes the name of Christ And now God not only moves through the person, Jesus Christ, now God is on the move in Mark Lautenschlager and Sam Kastensmith and everybody who claims the name of Christ. And this promise is pretty wild. It goes on in verse 19 and says, and what is the immeasurable greatness? You you can't put it, you can't even describe it. It's immeasurable, the greatness of his power toward or for us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And so what this is saying is absolute game changer if the church walked around in the confidence of what this is saying. What Paul is saying here is that God has given to each believer by the spirit dwelling in him the power to be an agent of resurrection. Mm. That means that we go around to all the ways that the plague of death and sin have grabbed hold and put their tentacles all over this world, and we bring resurrection. And that doesn't mean that we're going to cemeteries and, <laughs> you know, and raising people from, and raising yeah, people from, from the dead. dead. Let yeah. me, but what it means is in each of our lives, there are things that are dying. Right. We, we sense them, dying hopes, dying marriages, dying dreams, dying relationships. And the church's power comes and says to the dead thing, live. Right. And it restores. It's that power to make all things new. And that's the job of the church is to go to a world that is on the brink of death that's sliding into the grave and to call it to true life again. And I do think that there's people that hear things like that said and they think, oh, but I don't feel powerful. You know, things and, you know, that's a whole separate podcast to talk about. But I think that it, it sort of goes back into this thing of. What is it you were expecting power to do? Right. Were you were you expecting power to do parlor tricks, or were right. you expecting, you know, to that's s- a good distinction. Yeah, that's to, important to see the Holy Spirit working through the through you. The first thing that you have to do is be doing the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. So step one to having immeasurable power is figuring out what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, that's the you know there's a there's a Psalm is it Psalm thirty seven four that says he uh, he'll He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, I always, you know, I, when I first read delight that, delight in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires, desires of, of your, your heart. heart. Yeah. yeah. So I 
I always, when I first heard that verse, I'm like, that's great. God's promising to give me whatever I want. <laughs> and no, it's not. What it is is God's not promising so to give you, if you delight in him, he promises to give you the right kind of desires. Mm-hmm. God delights in us, and he wants us to delight in him. He mm-hmm. wants to have that kind of a relationship with that's his right. people. That's right. And so so when we talk about resurrection, let me, let me clarify. Sure. Sam Smith can't raise anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to raise the dead. I, I can't. I, I have no power in and of myself to do that. You can raise a stink sometimes. I could. I can raise a stink. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, you can ask my wife. Okay, under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a sophomoric moment that we just yes, reached. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Laura. <laughs> anyway, so the way that the scriptures tell us that we are agents of resurrection, and you see this in in the early church. At the end of Ephesians, it's going to tell Christians what their offensive weapons are. It's the sword of the Spirit, right? Right. And what is that? It's the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so, how do I bring new life to people? I bring it through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which comes and says that your identity, your hopes, your satisfactions are not to be found in anything in this world. That all of it can fail you. All of it's fleeting. Right. you, You know, even the best things. Or no, there's no guarantee to them. But the gospel comes and can breathe new life into anything. Right before we came on this program, I was sharing with you, um, without naming names, that I was in a, in a lunch meeting doing some marriage counseling. And the, here you have this precious couple, both wonderful people, right? And they're struggling in their marriage. And it, the reason why they're struggling in their marriage is because they're looking at one another for the other one to fulfill oh. what they're needing, right? Yeah, that's not going to work. Well, what does what does the gospel do? The gospel comes into that moment and says, "Hey, brother, you're like, no, she cannot possibly fill what you need, right? And to expect that from her is only enslaving her, and vice versa. He cannot fulfill everything you need, and to expect it of him is only to enslave him." All of your emotional needs are first met in Christ. He is the only one who can really satisfy what your soul needs. Mm-hmm. And if you find it in him, then you free each other. And, you know, as we're talking, she's got tears coming down her face. Mm-hmm. She, you could tell there was a moment where she felt pardoned. She felt free. She was like, yes, I know this to be true. And in that, and the power of the word of God, not Sam Caston Smith, there's a resurrection that right. comes. And that's where we're to look. You give the hope of Christ. I can't give you hope. All I can tell you is he can breathe a new beginning into every situation of your life. And when we talk about things like, okay, everything that you need, all of your needs should be met in your relationship with Christ. I think that there are, there are people, again, who will be skeptical of that. They're going to say, Christ doesn't meet all my needs. I have a need for I don't know. I have a need for a place to live. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there who hear, you know, Christ meets every need. And and you hear that with some skepticism. But let me explain what I a little bit more about what I mean by that. If I hold Christ as the most valuable thing in my life, my greatest treasure, the, the thing that I, 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 find my, I find my identity in him, right. I find my value in him, nothing else can ever take him away from me. No circumstance, no failure, no mess can take him away from me. It's a guarantee. And so in him, I constantly am satisfied. And no one can take that away from me. No one can take his promises away from me. But if I find my ultimate value in my marriage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
or my children or my job or my ministry or any of it. It's going to be shaken with circumstances. It, I'm, I'm going to be on my ear all the time when things affect it or when I, like, God forbid, I lose something that I find my identity in. Then I'm destroyed. But if I find my ultimate identity in Christ, nothing can take that away from me. Mm-hmm. And when I find my identity in him, I'm not making my wife feel like she's got to give me my identity or my value or my children. Like I'm freed right. up to love them better than I would if I found all my purpose and value in them. I think if I was to ask somebody a question of what's your greatest need, I mean, if you ask me that question, you know, hey, what if, what's your greatest need? I would tell you that my greatest need is to feel like I matter and that mm-hmm. my life matters and that my life has meaning and my life has purpose. I mean, that's really, everything else kind of orbits around that. And, and that really comes back to what we're talking about here, especially within Ephesians, where we're talking about this is God's good pleasure. This is the mystery of his will. This is the counsel of his will. This is all part of his plan, all part of his story. And here he's inviting us into that. He's saying you can be a participant in the great epic story I have created for all that there is. This is my opportunity to play a role in that. Is it going to be a role because I'm so great? No. It's going to be a role because he's so great right. and because he has now that he has put his power, in as us. it says, for us. It's his power. For, we're picking on the English Standard Version again, picking on the ESV. But, it <laughs> does, but you know, it's different. If, they, if they're talking about power toward us, well, then that means that he's going to do something to us by his power. And that's not what it's saying. It's saying that, his pow- that this power is for us. So that the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the grave, that same power is at work in us. That same degree of power, the miraculous power. You know, we 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 believe right. for far too little sometimes. Yeah, that's right. And you know, here and in other places, it says that you know he has seated us in the heavenly places. And you hear that and you go, "What? What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm seated in seated Fort Lauderdale, Florida, places. right now. What are you talking about?" And what it's talking about is legal positioning. What Christ has done with His church is He is not only invited us, but he's commissioned us to reign alongside of him, to bring his will, his mission into this earth, to bring life to a place of death, to bring light to a place of darkness, to bring hope to a place of despair, to to bring love to a place of just apathy and, and hatred, to bring unity to a place where there's so much division. That's the mission of the church, and he's working through us and inviting us to co-reign with him. This is the language the Bible uses, not just me. And he's invited us. So we're seated in the heavenly places, co-reigning. And so when, we're, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, what are we praying? We pray that his will would be done on earth as, as it, it is, is in heaven. heaven. And so yeah. we are these ambassadors, right, that are bringing down the beautiful will of God to this earth, advancing the will that the beginning of this letter talked about. There have been times when I've tried to explain to people what this idea of positional truth is. So I've said, well, let me ask you a question. The president of the United States is the president of the United States when he's in the White House in Washington, D.C. Who would he be if he was standing in this room? (laughs) He would still be the president. So his position is the president of the United States. That is a positional truth. It has nothing to do with his location. That's right. So the fact that we are here on earth still Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with our position. That's the position. That's this idea that God has seated us. In the heaven, he's saying, 
I'm putting you on this level spiritually, eventually, literally, mm-hmm. but for right now, that's still our position. Just like the yeah. president would still be the president if he was standing here. That's right. He'd be a little crazy to be standing here. (laughs) But if God reigns as the king of this universe, and he has adopted us as his sons and daughters, what does that make him? What does that make us? We reign with him. We reign with him. We are princes and princesses. Then follows that up. Okay, so we are are being, um, we're recipients of this great power, the same power that rose Christ from the dead and, and seated him in the heavenly places. And then it goes on talking about what kind of reign is that? Is it, is it powerful? Yeah, it's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. There's, in other words, he's stressing there is nothing that can come against this. It's, it is unassailable. It is absolute. And it's above every name that's named. There's no king. There's no empire. Yeah. There's nothing that can get in the way of his church, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things. And so when it talks about putting things under his feet in the ancient world, they used to, and you find this in, in Isaiah, and you find it in the Psalms where it talks about the earth being God's footstool. Mm-hmm. And in the ancient world, on the footstool, you would put images of those that you reigned over on your footstool or on the bottom of your sandal to show that you were above them. You you. They were your footstool. And so when it says the earth is the footstool of God, like it does in, in Psalm 110, mm-hmm. which is the most often repeated psalm in the New Testament, it's saying he reigns, absolutely, his entire body reigns on top of this earth. But then it says to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him fills all and in all. And so it gives this wild commission to the church, right? Here's God who reigns over all of creation, over the entire universe, over every king, every name, every power, every empire. He is so far above. And then it shifts and says he's over all things. And to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so he is saying he dwells and his church fills his church, saturates his church. We are his body, and therefore, by extension, we are called to reign and to bring his will about in this world. I'm always on the, the lookout for things that are sort of religious phrasing. The idea of above ne- every name that is named. I mean, I think people have had enough exposure to Game of Thrones <laughs> or things like that, that if I say, I come in the name of the king, they understand what that means. It doesn't mean that if the king's name is Bob, I'm suddenly going to say, hi, I'm Bob. I'm not saying that that's my, I'm taking the, but when I say that I come in the name of the king, right. I'm saying that I come with the authority of the king. I come on the king's behalf. That's right. You know, to make this, a, I think, maybe a little bit more palatable, one of, one of the most famous parables that Jesus tells is the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And in the story of the prodigal son, we are, we're the prodigal son, or we're the self-righteous older brother in this story. Um, but the prodigal son is somebody who just had it out for the dad, didn't like him, wanted the inheritance, runs off, squanders the wealth. He does nothing good in this story, and he goes off and spoils the, spends the father's money on prostitutes and wild living. He comes home. He has no shoes on. He's in tatters. He's covered with pig mud, pig slop mud. He's he's just a mess, right? right? And the the amazingness of what this is getting at, when, when the prodigal son comes home, 
the father looks at him and says, oh, you're home. Get the best of robes, get sandals, put them on his feet, kill the fatted calf. And one of the things that he says is, and get my ring and put it on his finger. And in the ancient world, what that meant was, you know, whenever you would, whenever you would put your seal or your authority on something, you would take your ring and you would roll it through wax or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would see your seal, and it meant your authority. And so what Jesus is communicating, when you come to the Father, when you leave the pig mud, and when you leave your mess, and you come home to the Father, and, and you're... He welcomes you and puts the finest clothes on you, and he welcomes you in, but he gives you the ring. Right. And he's saying, you now act as my ambassador with my full authority on earth, which is a, I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, that sounds like theonomy, that's scary, the church is trying to claim power. Remember what the will of God is. The will of God is a beautiful thing. It's about bringing love and light. It operates in humility. It seeks the blessing of others. And so it's that authority. And right. it's, it's a big, big calling and responsibility to wield that ring, that authority, with tremendous humility and love. Because that represents our king and who he right. is. Yeah, if you want to be like Jesus, first you're ready to die. That's right. That's right. And serve. There was nothing in the son himself. I mean, we talked about Mm -hmm. you said he came back in tatters, covered in pig mud and that kind of stuff. But I look at not just how he returned, but how he left. I mean, he left arrogantly. Give me my inheritance. Meaning, if there's an inheritance, guess what? Dad died. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying to dad is, you're dead to me. Mm -hmm. You're as good as dead to me. Give me the money as if you were dead, and I'm going to take off. That's what we do to the Lord all the it time. It is. I want what you have to offer, but I don't want you. You. Yeah. I want all the blessings of this world. I want to live with comfort and everything else, but get away from me. I don't want you. I'm tired of you being an authority over my life. Give me the inheritance. I don't want you. Yeah. That is how humanity treats the Lord. Mm. And as grievous as that is, as heartbreaking as that is, when we come home, he doesn't lecture, he doesn't shame. He clothes you in the robes of his mm. son, the perfect righteousness. He gives you the best shoes. He kills the fatted calf, he, and he gives you his authority. Like, he restores you, and then some. It's, right. That's the heart of our Father. And so it's just it's amazing and, what he's called the church to become, because now, as the church, we're on a mission to go out and find prodigals. And he does. He also rebukes the self righteous brother that's giving you a hard time. That's right. So if <laughs> I mean, you if you are wearing the ring and you're acting like that, yeah, Jesus says, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Well, that brings us to the end of chapter one of Ephesians, and I and I have to tell you guys, I am, you know, like not that I didn't have a good time with chapter one, but I think that we're probably going to spend probably ten, fifteen weeks in chapter no. <laughs> in chapter two, but I, there is, it's going to be good. Uh, if you're, if you're part of Rio Vista church and you're going through the one body, one mission series, again, we hope that these podcasts are useful to you, giving you context and background and, and maybe a fuller understanding of the underlying text as the messages come out on Sunday. Uh, and if you're not part of Rio Vista church, but you'd like to hear those messages, I'd like to let you guys know that all of the, uh, services here, uh, Sundays at nine and 11, they are live streamed. Uh, you can get them on our Facebook page. You can get them on our website, riovistachurch.com. You can also get them through our smartphone app 
Go to the app store of your choice and search for Rio Vista Community Church. You'll find our app. You can download that to your iPhone or Android device, uh, and then you can you can watch the stream there. Or after the fact, you can come back to our website or, again, our smartphone app, and you can find the messages in our sermon library. So if you want to follow along with the sermons as well as listening to the podcast, I would really encourage you uh, to do both of those. And if if there's if there's something that we have said, Sam and I, as we've been talking through this, and you have a question about it, we have an email address set up. It's out of water, you know, like out of water, all run together though. So all one word, because apparently I can't be bothered with spaces. So it's out of water at riovistachurch.com. So if you send that, if you send an email to that address, it'll get to, to Sam and myself and other members of the team. And we would be more than happy to answer your question uh, on an upcoming episode. Uh, and you can also come to our website at riovistachurch.com slash out of water and listen to any prior episodes or get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Out of Water there. And we look forward to seeing you again real soon. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash out of water.